Hey everybody, it's Wednesday, Wednesday, every other Wednesday, we let all the crypto news, the macro news, we let it grow, we let it fester, we let it stew. And then Molly and I have our two favorite crypto people who are builders in crypto, the OGs of crypto, Molly. People love Crypto Wednesdays. It's an absolute delight. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Trip Actions was built to help businesses scale without travel and expenses being a pain point. It's the only all-in-one travel, corporate card, and expense management solution. Go to tripactions.com twist to sign up for free and get a $500 Amazon gift card after making your first travel booking or paying off your first $1,000 of liquid spend. WorkOS is a developer platform to make your app enterprise ready. With a few simple APIs, you can immediately add common enterprise features like single sign-on, multi-factor authentication, and more. Go to WorkOS.com to learn how to make your app enterprise ready. And Spoken. Finally, there is a way to build culture and connection that is designed for remote. Spoken Stories. It's fast, it's async, yet it's human. Check out getspoken.com slash twist to get three months free. That's G-E-T-S-P-O-K-N without the E dot com slash twist. Crypto Roundtable with Sunny Mandra and Vinny Lingham. Sunny is co-founder of Definitive Intelligence, which lets people view on and off-chain data to understand their Web3 user base. Vinny is co-founder mm-hmm. of Civic, a startup that encrypts identity information on the blockchain and also started Wait Room for one-on-one video conferencing. Back with us again for Barely Contained Chaos Wednesday. Hey, Sunny guys. And Vinny. <laughs> Welcome, boys. <laughs> Good to be back. Getting a lot of positive feedback on the crypto roundtable I see on the uh, on the interwebs, on the social networks. How's it been? Are, are you getting recognized at the... Uh, are you now getting recognized <laughs> at the Whole Foods uh, or are just amongst so crypto now? dorks? Are you guys micro famous like us? What's going on? <laughs> Not yet, Jay. We were, we're working on that. Small. What is it? Somebody said Lame the other day, small Tam. Small Tam, <laughs> big fame. That's what I feel like I have. Small Tam. Big <laughs> yeah, like very that. famous within a small Tam. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. There's a lot of news going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where you want to start, but I, I know that there was Do Kwan on the lamb. I'm really fascinated by this Apple NFT story because I I got some uh, strong feelings on that. I mean, then there's just so much other stuff going on, you know, like with NFTs and DAOs. We actually had Ben Huh from the um, Orange DAO. Orange DAO on the pod Mm -hmm. to clarify. After we talked about it, he reached out and was like, hey guys, let's. Where do you want to start, Molly? Or or I think we got it. Well, producer Sonny put together some notes for us. (laughs) And go, producer Sonny. Producer Sunny is a beast, but I agree that I think it was your opinion, and I agree with this opinion, that this Apple story is kind of the big deal, that Apple is now allowing in-app purchases of NFTs, so you have Hmm. this fascinating situation brewing where Apple has simultaneously just normalized NFTs and, you know, increased this market for it dramatically, and is also centralizing the sale of NFTs and taking a 30% cut. Of all of those sales, so so I will. I, I had a photographer at my house yesterday for you know for lunch, and uh, I won't say his name, but he's a very famous photographer, and he's uh, he sells a ton of NFT art, and he's prints on you know on the different sites, and he is he's super excited about Instagram um, and what they're doing with um, 
uh, with NFTs. Now, if you haven't tried it yet, some of you are probably into the the beta that they're running where you can actually connect your wallet to your Instagram account and display your NFTs on your on your profile. So they can go to your grid and and see which NFTs and collectibles you have. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, this is interesting. So could it be, and I'm, I'm just putting it out there, that Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and other companies who are looking at the space are actually putting effective pressure on Apple to say, look, you guys, you know, we, we want to display, we want to sell, we want to retail NFTs uh, as a visual artwork. Why, why can we not do this? And Apple's basically saying, look, you know what? This is a reasonable request. And given the other antitrust issues they've had with, you know, Epic and whatnot, like they need to support it. And is Google going to do it as well? Um, hmm. And therefore, Apple may have just beaten Google to the to the punch here. And if Apple and Google both start allowing NFTs to be sold, um, you know, it becomes, a, I mean, I agree with Sunny, it's a big deal. Now, will the 30% hold long-term? Probably not. Margins will probably turn down. I mean, I, you know, Android may go and set it at 20%, and then Apple's kind of forced to drop to 20% or whatever it is. But I see a world where people are wanting to pay for digital art in a big way, and they already are doing it. They're just not doing it through apps. And so the real question is, what's the what's the toll going to be for going through the app stores? Right. Sunny, what do you think? Why why is this such a big deal? And what and how do you break down this tension between decentralized art available to everybody and the 30% cut that cuts both ways? Well, you know what's what's fascinating? I I kind of think like this could be a real huge opening for NFTs outside the 30%. And, you know, there's a lot of backlash here, but if you think about what they've sort of enabled, um, let's use some classic examples, like Netflix is a good one, right? You know, you can't sign up for Netflix within the Apple, uh, you know, within an Apple app, right? You have to do it outside and they do that because Netflix doesn't want to, you know, give 30% of that first time sign off or whatever their rules may be with respect to, you know, subscription businesses. Mm -hmm. With this NFT, by allowing NFTs in and blessing NFTs, you can really think about an interesting world where Maybe not just from a monetization perspective, the way, you know, Vinny was talking about it, but what if the NFTs are allowed there to be a transactional system outside of the Apple ecosystem? So this could be a really big opening and wedge for a lot of games, a lot of businesses that want, that don't want to pay the tax and them allowing it in. And if it grows fast enough, they won't be able to cut it off. So I think everyone that's been thinking about this should really think about using this opening from them, not making it a monetization moment, but making it a moment such that we can connect outside the Apple ecosystem and get away from the Apple tax that they're kind of putting on everything that's, you know, within their their world. Wait, can you unpack that a little bit? So you're saying that an NFT sold in the Apple store could be a Trojan Free? horse in some yeah, ways, not exactly. You know, not the the bad way, but like you buy an NFT, maybe you pay that 30% cut, but it has functionality built in that enables stuff that once you own it, you can do off of that ecosystem. Correct. Or maybe you, you get it for free Genius. within the Apple ecosystem because they've allowed it. And then you can go take it since it's an NFT, it's available on the blockchain outside the Apple ecosystem. And where it's accrued value, you can go trade it there. And so I think this is a really big opening for, you know, uh, not just artists, but people that are thinking of NFTs as utility items. Yeah, I mean, I had I had this conversation with Sachs about a year ago when NFTs were kind of raging, and, and I said to him, I said, "Do you think? I mean, and the reason Sachs is because obviously he's a he's a SaaS guy, software as a service guy, and I was like, you know, do you see a world? Could we have a world where? And I think this is possible 
where people buy a license, like a perpetual permanent license to a product. So for Sunny, for example, instead of paying him or whatever, tens of thousands of dollars a year for a license to Definitive, I go and say, hey, I'll pay you you know, 500,000 bucks or a million bucks. It's an enterprise license. It's you know perpetual forever. We don't have an expense. He gets the cash flow up front. When I'm done with that or we sell the company or we do whatever, I can just sell that license to someone else and it, gives, it grants you access and maybe there's a limited supply of those type of licenses that have full access to all features, et cetera. So I, I do see a world where NFTs become, you know, it's effectively an access token if you think about it. It's, it's, it's tokenized access to some some product, service, utility, a party, uh, an event, a software license, whatever the case is. And so these NFTs become very valuable. And at some point, Apple can't really deny someone importing an NFT into the, into a wallet. They can do it on the web and then go to the app and unlock functionality within the app. I mean, the game is a good example, right? So if Apple says we're not going to allow it and I go online and, and by the way, Amazon does this with Prime. Uh, if you go and play Hearthstone, for example, you can go to Amazon Prime and unlock um, certain cards and packs and gold directly on the website without going through the App Store. When you go log into your game on the App Store that you downloaded, it's all there already. So, mm-hmm. and, and this is kind of one of my criticisms at, at, at Epic Games, I think, when they went after Apple. And I, I know what they were trying to do, and I kind of commend them in the sense that they were trying to like do the greater good. But all they had to do was offer gamers the 30% discount if you buy direct and say, hey, if you buy you know, gold on our website directly uh, or Fortnite V-Bucks on the website, you're saving 30%. The kids would do it. The kids are, and the people who play these games, yeah. they'll go, Shit, why am I going to use the in-app purchases when I can go and save 30%? So they didn't have to confront Apple directly. And I think free markets resolve these things. It's the same, it's the same principle with NFTs, right? So if I have an NFT and I want access to a $1,000 software license, um, why buy it through Apple when I can go to the website, buy the NFT, load it, you know, deposit the token in my in my account, and then log into the app on the, from that was downloaded through the App Store, and it works. And so this is the problem Apple's got. So I agree with Sunny. Like if they don't enable this, they're going to lose out in the end. Yeah, hmm. yeah. This is just Apple um, continuing Apple overreach. You may remember they destroyed the experience when you were using Audible for the past decade or two. On your phone, you had to open up a web browser, you could look at the library, you could you could browse books in your Audible app. uh, But very anti competitively, they won't let you buy inside there. And then lo and behold, 10 years later, you could buy books inside the Audible app. Uh, And they very quietly did it, I think, because they were getting a ton of antitrust pressure. But this flies in the face of everything that NFTs are about. They're supposed to be not controllable. They're supposed to not have these high fees. Theoretically, uh, maybe if you're using Solana or the new Ethereum, uh, you don't have as many gas fees on it. Uh, so Apple, I think, just doesn't get NFTs right now, and the fact that they're, you know, not centrally well, I, controlled. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I don't yeah. agree with that, with that, with that assertion, Jason. I, I don't think. I think like. NFT is an application of blockchain technology. Blockchain is supposed to be decentralized and permissionless and trustless. NFTs is just a service built on top of it. It's like it's like a can you know, as far as artists are concerned, it's a canvas. Like you could put Yeah, but a do you think they should be only tradable? Like there should be an Apple NFT and then when you go to the app store, you can buy, you know, MP3, you go to iTunes theoretically, you can buy a pocket, you can buy iTunes, you could buy apps, or you could buy audio books, or you could buy NFTs, and there are Apple NFTs. I mean, they could do that as well. And they could have like a closed ecosystem of NFTs that are only tradable there. It's the antithesis of why people wanted to create NFTs but so they could I take their sword from one game and go to another. I know that but I'm just saying with the overreach and charging this ridiculous fee, 
to me, it's like antithetical to what NFTs are supposed to be. Um, but also shout out to Twitter, because by the way, Twitter, long before anybody else, uh, with the Twitter blue product, was it a year or two ago, they started maybe it's a year ago, last summer, they year, started year allowing ago. people to yeah. use NFTs for their Twitter avatars. So I, I kind of feel like as as overblown hey. as NFTs were, there is still kind of something cool that could happen here if it does in fact get embraced you know, big way know. by Apple. I and sort of like though, I feel like Sunny is describing a good middle ground here, which is like, sure, there's the interpretation that it sucks and Apple's overreaching. And if they sell this stuff and take a 30% cut, that that is not ideal or not optimal in terms of the, you know, if you really are a philosophical purist about this. But on the other hand, you popularize and massively distribute yep. a technology that Sure. as you pointed out, has so much other potential functionality built in that it might not even matter. Like most people won't be paying the 30% cut and they will be exposed to an ecosystem that offers them a lot more. Like maybe it's actually just a win-win. And, and Apple will make I, a little I, extra cheddar on the side like they always do, but like, who cares? <laughs> it's not going to break it's, anything. It's just dumb. I just found like Apple is dumb is it, for doing this. Is it it's dumb just or dumb. is it like a huge win for this technology? It's a huge win for the NFT ecosystem. So for what we want, this is awesome. I think the worst thing they could have said is, hey, we don't, so we don't support NFTs, not allowed in any of our apps. We can't, sure. you know, and, and so yeah. by them opening it up, I think we're going to see a lot of innovation here and we're going to see people break this monopoly they have, which I think I'm, I, I'm very excited about. Right. Like you, maybe you they are actually just sneakily, they open yeah. the gate yes. to the Trojan they let horse. let the Trojan horse in. That's that fine. was their yeah. mistake. I'm fine with that. All right. Take it from me. Booking business travel is a huge headache, especially if you own a business, right? Because you're worried about every nickel, every dime, every dollar counts. And if you're going to do business travel, you got to make it work for both you and your team members. Jake, how's going on the road? I'm raising a fund, launch fund for, and I need to be on the road, okay? And I'm going to be sending some of my people on the road. Well, I want to make it easy for them. I want to make it easy for me and for operations. And that's why we use Trip Actions. It's the only all-in-one travel corporate card and expense management solution. It's basically built to save you a ton of time and to save you money and to make it delightful for your team members, whether you're a startup or a fully established large business. You need to use Trip Actions. This one platform seamlessly manages the bookings, the itineraries, your corporate cards, and the expenses. And it's all automated. So the expense reports are done. Easy breezy, lemon squeezy. Plus, don't worry about like uh, getting cash back because you're gonna get 2% cash back on every purchase, which is your business's money. All of this is done so easily through their interface, their mobile app, their website. Here's your call to action. The call to action is super simple. I want you to go to tripactions.com. Very easy. T-R-I-P-A-C-T-I-O-N-S. You, know you know how to spell trip. You know how to spell actions. Put the two together, tripactions.com slash T-W-I-S-T. And here's what they'll do. They're going to send you a $500 Amazon gift card after you make your first booking or pay off your first $1,000 in liquid spend. Remember, it's tripactions.com slash twist. They are the best in the business at this. We love them. We use them. And you will too. I mean, eventually, just thinking out loud here, imagine if buying a piece of software. Now, I know this technically doesn't make sense, but imagine an NFT-like device where you could buy an app and the app was contained in like an NFT like product, and the app could move from operating system to operating system, you bought it once, or like your audiobook was kind of similar to an NFT, and it could move from place to yeah. place and be resold. 
that would be like the next level of this. Has anybody even thought about extending NFTs into being like, if I bought a movie or I bought a, you know, a special episode of a podcast, I could then put it up for sale. Like people can put a DVD up for sale. Well, we talked about this, I think, in one of the first episodes, right? But if you think about something like Royal does this, and there's like a couple of different platforms, right, which are allowing you know, musicians to take their rights and make them available via blockchain, right? So that that's sort of the first step in the direction of what you're talking about. And so, yeah, like, you know, why should you, if you buy a movie, why should you be limited to the iTunes ecosystem? Maybe in the future, you want to move all to Google, or you want to move all to Amazon. So if you've bought that right, that right should exist across platforms. And so I think this opening is really, really exciting. The things that you're talking about, I think can be enabled now and say, look, like, especially with things like, you know, Filecoin behind the scene where the, the actual asset will live in a decentralized storage. And then there'll be an NFT that says, okay, that's my right to that thing living in a decentralized storage. It's really, really huge opportunities coming our way here. I could just think of like a director, if a director like really Scott said, I'm going to make the Blade Runner final, final cut, you know, the final cut is the best one. But really Scott said, I'm going to do a specific voiceover for the 50th anniversary. I'm going to sell a, a thousand or 10,000 copies that have like, you know, the special commentary, it's going to be one of a 1000, you'll have your number, it's a but the actual media is embraced in there. And it doesn't exist on Apple or Netflix, you just buy it directly from, you know, the movie studio, yeah. and then you own that asset forever. Yes. And yeah. it's tradable. Because right now, like, what's the difference between a Beeple being in there? And you know, some Blu ray copy of this could be like an interesting thing for indie filmmakers and other folks. I think it'll go everywhere. Okay, so speaking of expanding capability, another note from Sunny NFT ticketing is now coming to airlines. We're starting this. to see more and more. It's so interesting as like, you know, every week we pound our fists, like show us the utility. And interestingly, it feels like NFTs are showing us the most accessible utility, at least, right? The type of utility that we can totally understand up to and including uh, expanding to airlines so that at least an Argentinian, one Argentinian budget airline, Flybondi, is now giving passengers the option to purchase their flight tickets in the form of NFTs. This felt like it was always coming yeah. And, and think and of great. like the, the utility, like, you know, if I buy a ticket today and I want to, you know, give it to you, Molly, I can't, it's just yep. impossible. Right. Even though it may be refundable, it's crazy. And, and all, yep. it's crazy. And now what these, what these folks have done, I think it's incredible where you can basically, I could just transfer it to you and you could buy it off me and you could buy it off me at a premium or a discount or wherever it happens to be. I think this for, you know, kind of open marketplaces, this type of example is just really, really powerful of what's coming our way and sort of, the centralized locks that, you know, the airlines, that's just a rule they made up. Hey, Sonny, you, you bought this ticket, you can't give it to Molly. And mm -hmm. so I, I was really excited when I saw it. That's why I put it and in. And if you want to change it, you really have cool. to pay $250 for yeah. no reason, really, that we can think of. You just have to. No. Yeah. 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 Well, well I mean, part of it, part of the airline stuff is obviously security because they do scanning and, and, and clearance of uh, identities before. So there may be a period which you can trade it in and say, hey, look, you can trade this before 24 sure. hours before TSA runs their checks or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. but, but you can buy a ticket time. five minutes, yeah. but you can buy a ticket five minutes before the plane takes, or you can go well, to the airport and buy it. An hour. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. About an hour before, but yeah, we've all done it. So <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I, I look at my Apple wallet now and I go through, I'm doing it right now. as so I was looking down, I was looking at my expired, uh, what do they call the tickets in your Apple wallet? Mm -hmm. You know, whatever those are your called. Passes passes. In your wallet, yeah. Passes, yeah. yeah. And I'm looking through them right now. And I'm getting nostalgic. I found like <laughs> a Jason Isbell concert I went to with Bill Gurley. <laughs> that was a great concert, oh, Jake. You world. have to admit. <laughs> no, and then I, you know, I just found a 49ers game. I, and 
I'm yeah. kind of bummed out because the Warriors game we went to was those Ticketmaster ones that don't exist in my Apple wallet. Mm -hmm. But I, right. I like to keep like my courtside seats, I put them in a little thing. But I was also finding all my Fandango tickets uh, with my daughters to see different films. And I'm like, Oh, I would love if my dad gave me the ticket stubs from Raiders of the Lost Ark or like, I mean, we did like, I don't know, maybe 14 things when I was a kid with my dad. And I, I would love to have all 14. I'm joking. <laughs> did like 1400. But well, like we did like six things. I did like six things with my dad. I would love to have the ticket stubs. Can you imagine if I had the ticket stubs to the Yankee games I went to my dad with? And well, they're, you and know, they're probably you lost. imagine if your ticket subs then could be connected to video and photos of the yes. whole experience? Like, yes. I actually, now I want the whole NFT ticket oh stub. You, uh, you guys are ecosystem. coming around. You guys are coming God around. I've always what loved NFTs. <laughs> I've always loved NFTs. And like, what is happening? What is happening? I just think NFTs. Stupid roundtable. Talk about Trojan horse. <laughs> no, <laughs> NFTs as keepsakes, and then you could sell them like and mm -hmm. that would be kind of cool too. You know, I, yeah. there's a ticket that just went on sale. I, I think I brought this up the last time uh, for Michael Jordan's first game and somebody had two tickets, they didn't go to the game, but they kept them. And then they found them it was like, Oh, these are Yep. The thing. So we've been yeah. officially they sold for like uh, like ten thousand plus dollars. No, five hundred thousand. I don't know what Bill Lee. I think Bill Lee played five hundred thousand. I don't know that <laughs> Bill Lee bought them, but it sounds like a Bill Lee <laughs> thing to do. I, yeah. I just. I love the fact that uh, NFTs have crashed. OpenSea went from like, what were they doing? Hundreds of millions of dollars a day to like $6 or something. Like, and then they have this huge scandal, people front running. This is the kind of collapse I'm here for in tech, because that means somebody's going to build something of true value here. What is the most valuable NFT platform, you know, creation tool? Is there a Canva because uh, we invested in a company called Blush that was kind of building tools to make NFTs. What's the pick and shovel here or the the bet you can make on NFTs? Is there a bet to make here? Or is it just on individual NFTs? So the, the issue here really is, if you've looked at like the trends from where it started to where it's going, mm -hmm. um, I, I personally think that NFTs took off on Ethereum because of the wealth creation effect in the Ethereum ecosystem. So Ethereum soared to $100 billion plus all these early Ethereum adopters at you know, millions and millions of dollars, they can go drop 50K on a, on a, on a JPEG, no big deal. Uh, and, and that started, and a lot of artists were buying other artist stuff and people who had Ethereum made a lot of money, right? You went from a, a low of 50 bucks in the last cycle to you know 5,000, right? So there's a lot of wealth creation there. But then Ethereum had scaling issues and you look at the, the cost of minting, the, 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 the footprint, the carbon footprint, the negativity around the carbon footprint, the ESG sort of variables mm -hmm. into, taking into the equation. And so NFT soared, and then there was this huge backlash. And then, you know, the market crashed for lots of reasons. Ethereum crashed, et cetera, et cetera. And now, if you look at fast forward a year from where all the, the sort of peak madness was uh, to where we are today, yeah, Ethereum ecosystem is still doing well. It's got a whole bunch of people doing stuff in it. it you know, the, the fees have dropped somewhat. It's migrated off to ETH 2.0. It's okay. But what you're seeing is in the Solana ecosystem, um, an ecosystem where the, the wealth creation, yeah, it did peak at some $50 billion mark at some point, but now it's down to like 10 market cap. But the volume of NFTs and Solana are, it's like eye popping, but it's all low, low cost 
uh, NFTs. The, you know, in the ETH world is very like used to five hundred dollar, thousand dollar mints, five thousand dollar mints, no problem. Ethereum, uh, Solana, the mints are like you know fifty bucks, twenty bucks. Artists are selling, so now it's gone from like very. Exclu- this is how technology evolves, right? The early adopters are always like the wealthy uh, people who can afford the expensive technology, blah blah blah. And then over time, it goes to like everyone can now afford a phone in the world, like yeah. it's just super cheap, and and, and so. I think if you look at the volume that you spoke about, Jason, that collapsed out of mm. out of um, uh, you know Open Sea, that volume was Ethereum volume. Let's just be frank. It's like and and the, and the sheer number and value was Ethereum based. If you mm. look at Magic Eden, which is eclipsed Open Sea right now, now why did you eclipse ha- it? Because well, I, I'm 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 I'm, I'm uh, this is the point, right? It's gone from being something which only a few people could afford, a $500, $5,000 NFT, et cetera, to something most people can afford to go and spend 20 bucks or 50 bucks on an NFT or Magic Eden. And because it's minted on Solana, where the fees are ultra low, you're seeing this huge like move from, from being a niche market to a more of a mass market product. So Eden so is a competitor to OpenSea. Magic yeah. Eden is the on competitor. Solana yeah. based, it's, yeah. bi- it's bigger and Solana-based, yeah. Got it. Can the can I ask a stupid question? Do the NFTs go back and forth between the two? So if I buy one on Eden, yes. I can sell it on OpenSea. Y- yes, you so, can. So so yeah. OpenSea su- supports some Solana contracts. I'm not yeah. sure all of them, but like some of them. And I think Magic Eden is adding ETH support or added ETH support. So there is, I mean, they're NFTs. You can move them across chains. But Magic Eden launched and focused on mass market adoption, lots of users, cheap transaction fees, low price NFTs. And the artists that do stuff and the, the creators that do stuff on Magic Eden are really trying to focus on you know, high volume, low cost, and 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 OpenSea initially was like you know thousand mints, ten thousand mints, whatever, and and, and higher prices. Back, Jake, Jake, going back to your question, like you know, who are the kind of pictions shovels here? I'll I'll kind of break it down into a couple of categories. So for like enterprise companies, you have you know Salesforce with NFT Cloud, and so they they've done a couple launch. In fact, there was a Ticketmaster NFT um, thing going on last year, which they they really supported. And then you also have, um, they did a big one with Scotch and Soda, which is a big European brand. They announced that at like Dreamforce last week. Then you have Shopify who's enabling it. And so they've done a lot of, you know, ah. pretty interesting collaborations around token gated retail. Uh, a big one they did at South by Southwest with uh, Doodles, which was, you know, pretty exciting. And then sort of, you know, non enterprise, non corporate, you have like Manifold, Manifold.xyz. Check out those guys. They're, they're like a real kind of leader in a place you go to kind of, you know, create your project and, you know, th- they do all the work kind of behind the scenes. Um, so you basically bring your art there and they'll make sure that you get your NFTs on, onto the blockchain. So there's a couple of really, you know, I mean, like it's really awesome because you see it at the enterprise level, you see it at the e commerce level, and you definitely see it, uh, you know, for the creators as well. Listen, if you're an enterprise app, you need to offer SSO. What's SSO? Single sign-on. Single sign-on unlocks the ability for all those enterprise users, you know, the ones that spend the money, to log into your app with their company's identity provider, which is probably required. It will get them in quicker, and you can show the value of your product. Now, you're probably thinking, hey, I could build this myself. I'm smart. Yeah, you could also build a server. You could also build a data center. Why on earth would you waste your cycles on building SSO when you can have it all done for you? I want you to check out WorkOS. I want you to show it to the team. It's basically, here's how you explain it to everybody. Are we going to rebuild Stripe? No. This is Stripe for enterprise features. Okay. Now everybody understands why you would use this. A simple API plugin 
that lets you move faster, spend way less money on developers, and you don't have to worry about maintaining these integrations. You could use WorkOS for just $49 per month per organization. And they don't just have SSO at WorkOS. No, they have other APIs for things like multi-factor authentication and much more. You're going to go to WorkOS right now. Work os.com w-o-r-k-o-s.com i want you to write it down put it in your notepad put it in your slack and if you want to learn more about their different integrations check out the work os podcast huh just go to workos.com slash podcast you know what would be really smart molly is if these uh nft kids they just co-opted a lot of these open schematic standards like iCalendar. Mm-hmm. like they should just build nft plus iCalendar into each other and then when I send a calendar invite or a Zoom invite to people, it could be like an NFT, and then you could extend it and you could do things with that calendar invite that maybe you can't do with just an, what is it, an ICS file or whatever. I that mean, is like, you- I now officially want to see the company that is doing that, attaching my ticket to it as an NFT, pulling in all the digital assets that are related to the event that I went to maybe mm-hmm. even within my social graph, like, oh, we're a bunch of my friends at the same concert, like, give me their videos, like, put this whole thing together into this sort of beautiful event package. Mm. And take my money. That's such a God good idea. Damn so it. if you had the NFT, <laughs> sorry, ticket, Nick, no, imagine you had an app, right? Or the the Warriors app or the, yeah. the Ticketmaster app, right? And you got that ticket. And then we take a couple of pictures at the game. And there's some clips on Twitter. And then when you open it up, it says add media. Or when you're doing share, so you take a tweet and you say share to, and when you mm-hmm. say share to, it says share to my NFTs, and you pick the NFT from the list. Oh, here's the NFT of us sitting, you know, in the second row at the Warriors game. And then it adds to it and says, now you can publish that as an NFT. Then you add the picture of us at it. Oh, oh, somebody tweeted a clip of us, and they made a little video thing. I add that object to it. Now, mm-hmm. just on my phone, I've created, I've used the base ticket, like you're saying, adding this stuff to make like a rich NFT. And you know, you got this R NFT that you could then publish, save or share with me, make a copy of. It's such a good idea. Wow, that's a good startup idea. Does that exist in the world? Like create an NFT from shared media objects? I literally just ordered, I'm I'm in the drive-thru right now and that is my order. (laughs) And I will also take (laughs) a large Diet Coke. Does it exist, Sonny? Does Does it exist? Everybody knows how to use the share button. Or is this not even the right use for NFT? Like, is this the wrong way to imagine that that could be used? It goes back a little bit to where Vinny was. Like, I think what we saw over the last 18 months was like, you know, kind of speculation. And and now the utility is coming. So it's great. It's great that you guys are putting these ideas out there. And it's all possible. Why not? Why isn't there a creation tool? So we're talking about Apple supporting this. You know, there's a share button, right? You get that little up arrow. And we've all trained ourselves that you can take an object, a tweet, uh, a news story, and then you can share it to something, right? You could save it to files, you could save it to a your iBook reader, or I use Speechify, I can share a news story to Speechify and create an audio file that I can listen to. If I could take any object, and then share it to NFT. Yes. Why can't I share to NFT? Well, because this goes back to the point we started the conversation with. Up until just this announcement from Apple, they right. their their take on NFTs was wasn't there, right? Mm. That's why. And so now, mm. that's why I think it's a huge opening. All of this stuff can start happening, right? And it's the you know Trojan horse. But, it's, I mean, it's somebody could make share to NFT right, right now. Back to the top, Apple. like it sounds like such a bummer, but it turns out this is the start. This is the start of like true mass like to, utility. No, because you need official support part. from Apple to support NFTs to say hey, the yeah. wallets, no, no. everything else can make okay, this yeah, happen. That helps, but yeah. you know when you hit the share button, yeah, you, if you have an existing app, like is there an app? 
and a share oh, share button. to a create to a mint share, share to, to a an app tool, basically. that then publishes share my to- NFT instantly. So I take any that, photo, I hit share, share to NFT. I don't does think not exist. that exists, but I haven't seen it. But you know, that exists within Photoshop. You can build Photoshop. it in two weeks. Two no, no, but it exists within Photoshop. So within oh, you can Photoshop, file export NFT? Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they've Ooh. built that functionality right from within Photoshop. This is amazing. Okay, we are officially, right. uh, we have officially been orange pilled for <laughs> this <laughs> half of the show. So I'm going to bring us back to what some of the other news that's been happening in crypto, right. because back in the land of financialization, uh, there have been a few more happenings. Obviously, we would love to hear your thoughts about Doquan and whether he is or is not on the run. But I want to ask you about uh, this Celsius development. Celsius, of course, the crypto firm that froze withdrawals in June mm-hmm. and still has not resumed them for some customers. And now evidently is trying to or at least planning to tokenize its debt. This might be the ballsiest the move I've ever heard. They're going to turn... The funds that they owe people into an IOU token. token. <laughs> I'm sorry, token. <laughs> that, sorry. That's going to be great. That's going to go up in value. What am I? What am I missing here? Before you laugh at that, okay. This is exactly. I'm not what laughing. Ha- it's clever as hell. <laughs> this is exactly what happened to Bitfinex back in twenty. I think it was fifteen or sixteen when they got hacked. They got hacked and someone stole 100,000 plus Bitcoins and they issued and they still have it out there. I think it's called the Leo token, um, uh, Bitfinex Leo token. Yeah, it's a Leo token. Um, and th- like basically w- what happens was they and, and the US recovered this money, the, the government recovered this money uh, a, a while ago, but it's, it's, you know, the government's not exactly handed over back to, to Bitfinex anytime soon. But they issued mm-hmm. this token. A whole bunch of people put money in uh, into it and basically helped them survive and help Tether survive. That's how they did it. They issued this note and then they were able to refund their their their. Um, it's still ranked number twenty one, I think, on on Coin Market uh, Cap. And the idea is that this pays out once these coins come back. The Leo token holders get a share of the a, a large share of the money back, and then Bitcoin price has gone up and etc. So it's like. And uh, and they use a percentage of profits to rebuy uh, Leo. Re- I think as Engel just pointed out, yeah, I remember that. There's a, there's a there's a they use their profits from the exchange to buy it back. So it's effectively the money they made out of um, out of the, the exchange business not going under. They're using it to make whole the people who bought the token. So this is and not unprecedented. Like this is not unprecedented at all. I did not know this at all, and I looked it up, and you are right. A hundred percent of that outstanding debt from Bitfinex was paid back to those users in the yeah. form of that token. It- but a year yeah. later. Yeah. Sonny, go ahead. Sorry, and, I interrupted No, I was going to say, no, no, just on that, let's look at the corners, right? It's like, either you can get nothing, right? And then you just shut down. You can get pennies yeah. on the dollar as what it may be worth today. Or you take this thing, and if they can revamp their business, you support them through it, and you, you may be able to get whole or beyond whole. So we call I this think the Hail Mary, right? It's a Hail Mary. Yeah. It's, 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 it's Aaron Rodgers throwing to the end zone against the Detroit Lions twice. We, actually, you know, to be not super you cynical was, about it, you uh, will see this with founders. I've had founders come to me and say, Jake Cal, really appreciate you putting money to the company. We burned your 500000 We did the best we could. And I'm like, that's fine. We'll take the loss. And they're like, well, I st- I'm starting a new company. I'm going to give you 1% of it. The new company is worth $10 million. Here's 100000 in common shares in the new company. Uh, and I've been like, okay. You know, like in the past, I've been like, fine. And I don't think it's ever worked out uh, or it hasn't worked out it, it, yet. It's actually, it's actually but worked it is out for appreciated. Me. It's actually yeah. worked out for me. I had a company which I invested in. The founder 
it you know it didn't it didn't go anywhere, but he gave me like two and a half points of the new company uh, because I helped him out in a tough time and I gave him bridge loans and it all fell apart. And so I wrote it off. But I got and now the company I think they're raising it like a fifty or hundred valuation and perfect. It's like maybe you great. could sell into it. Yeah, this yeah, this yeah. exists in poker. People will do a make good right. Like so, you yeah. back Phil Hellmuth. In the unlikely case, he doesn't return money, but he pretty much is a money printing machine <laughs> on poker. Yeah. If he doesn't, you could say, oh, I get to roll that into your next tournament. So I know maybe Phil doesn't do this because he, his, he's so overbooked for staking. But I know people, I remember in LA, mm. they would say, you can stake me in this. And then if I make a big win in the next two tournaments, I'll give you a make good just to give you your money back. So that, that does exist. It's called a make good. You just poker. stake Sunny against me and see how it goes. <laughs> you two idiots in poker i would stake you guys in tokens for but not poker, poker. Game is what's really not, happening here not not i would never stake either of you idiots in poker i played poker with you both <laughs> you're as bad as i am <laughs> he, he, he he bluffed me off a straight i had a straight last week on friday and he bluffed me off it was like, oh really on, so, yeah. well did you guys play in the uh warriors sunny's <laughs> all hell yeah i did yeah no, no we played we played in austin, yeah. played austin. oh, oh, oh yeah. the austin game Ooh, yeah, ooh. keep keep the austin game quiet <laughs> Do your remote employees feel disconnected? I bet they do. Well, Spoken is the workplace podcasting platform loved by startups like Robinhood, Udemy, and 15.5. And Spoken just launched a new way for companies to build connection and community remotely. It's called Spoken Stories. You might know stories from Instagram where only you can add to them. But Spoken Stories are different. Spoken Stories can belong to a company or a team. In fact, your entire team or smaller team units can add to that specific story. And you can create stories about anything. Maybe you want to celebrate wins. Maybe you want to do some shout outs, give people credit. Maybe talk about your travel or birthdays, anything, product updates. And you don't have to wait for an offsite or hold awkward Zoom happy hours to connect with your team. Nope. Spoken Stories is designed for remote teams. It's asynchronous and it's fast, yet still human. Leaders, this is a really easy way to get to know your employees and recognize them. They want you to try it so you can get three months free at getspoken.com slash twist. Remember, that's spoken with no E. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Getspoken.com slash twist for three months free. Take out the E for excellent. What else is on the docket here? Tell us about, okay, so uh, I'm going to use this news story as a jumping off point (laughs) to talk a little bit about Doquan. But interestingly, in the wake of the Terra Luna collapse, this is sort of the now we're starting to see the regulatory wave along with everything else creep in. So we haven't seen anything yet. This way, okay, can we go? Can we like, can we like, we're starting to see the wind. Can we divert a little bit onto macro because macro. Yeah, let's go macro. Sure. Let's talk about something nobody has any idea or credibility in. Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's talk okay. about something so, where macro econo- <laughs> economists don't even know what they're talking about. Yes, let's do it. All the black swans that happen, like there's a flock of black swans flying in here. The the UK hasn't seen this in 60 years. The America hasn't seen this in 50 years. Blah blah blah. Like the entire world is going through this. <laughs> blah blah absolute, blah. I mean, no, no. Chaos, it's it's yeah. it's fu- it's funny. Like a year ago, you, you know, the Fed would have said, "Oh, there's just no way you're going to get 8% inflation if we print right. $6 trillion. I mean, like, what are you guys thinking? And every, every rational person was going, what are you guys doing? And now the world's falling apart and they're holding their position. Look, so here's the thing. We're, I think the citizens of the world, and let's start with Europe, are losing absolute faith in their governments. And start with the UK and the rest of Europe as well. I really believe 
in the next three months, we are going to see a G15 nation, you know, default on its debt or going to a massive debt spiral, debt spiral from basically, you know, rising interest rates, blah, 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 blah. So Mm -hmm. we are on the cusp of a total collapse in the global financial system as it stands today, assuming the Fed keeps on its hawkish tone, keeps raising rates and applying pressure and nothing breaks in the US, the rest Mm -hmm. of the world is going to go into a panic. And that is like, if you can give me a counterpoint on that, I'm happy to take it, but I cannot see how the Fed can keep raising these rates and not destroy a country somewhere. Yeah. Or that country will take this opportunity to destroy itself like we're seeing in the UK, right? Like, I'm going to take this big burning fire and I'm going to throw a nuclear bomb into it in the form of a bunch of like a hundred billion pounds did we decided of unfunded tax cuts 400 i think oh the the tax cuts yeah Yeah, 100 100 billion tax cuts and 400 billion expenditure or something right Uh, you know so 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 let's understand what what happened yesterday they'll help themselves over the cliff is what i'm saying like yeah jay powell will get it started (laughs) this doesn't happen too often you know for in the developed world bankruptcy um usually there are bailouts because you can print money but it is possible if nobody wants to buy your debt that this could result in a spiral, mm-hmm. probably in the frontier markets, it, it happens frequently. Um, and in emerging markets, the next level up, it happens sometimes. And then even in America, we've had municipalities, uh, famously in 2013, Detroit uh, went bankrupt, right? And I remember this because Vinny, I was buying during the last financial crisis, 2005 to 2007, I started buying muni bonds that were revenue backed because I thought the market was overheated. And I just said, sell all my equities, I want to buy 100% muni bonds because they're backed by revenue. So there's revenue backed muni bonds, there's municipal bonds, then there's revenue backed. revenue back, long and short means they're backed by some revenue stream, typically a bridge uh, with a toll, or it comes out of the tax coffers first. And so I tried to find out if municipalities had ever gone bankrupt. And it was like such a short list. It's usually like some small podunk town, where like, there's one light and somebody got hit by a car and they sued for $100 million and got $25 million and that's double the budget or something. Let's talk about the, the mini bonds and the whole bond world, but I'll get that in a second. Let's look at this tweet from James Butterfield from CoinShares, okay? The trading volumes on pound to BTC was 10x plus, I think 12x what it is on an average day on Monday when everything collapsed. So what does that tell you? People mm-hmm. in Britain were buying Bitcoin. A billion dollars in a day. A billion dollars mm-hmm. a day, net buying. And that's why Bitcoin spiked to 20,000 something yesterday. And then it pulled back. And the reason it pulled back is actually not what people think it is. So so my, my theory on this is you're going to find people in these foreign countries and hundreds of billions of dollars fleeing capital, fleeing the fiat markets because of the collapse. And people, you know, it doesn't have to all leave. It just needs a small percentage of it needs to say, I'm going to go put diversify and put something to crypto 5%, 10%. And that's enough to move the market significantly. What happens when you have these spikes in the middle of a bear market is people who need liquidity and cash are selling into the spikes. And, and there's a lot of like bear market sort of, um, you know, selling absorption that needs to happen when that finishes when all the all the people who are going to sell in these levels sell out, and maybe maybe some at twenty thousand and twenty five thousand, etc., you're going to have a shortage of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, quite frankly, is the gateway drug to crypto. It, it's what everyone, you know, majority of people are going to buy if they get into crypto. These this chart is very telling. Let me tell you the second reason this thing goes 
you know, I wouldn't say parabolic, but it starts going on a run, is a lot of the pension funds and 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 the reason that the UK is doing what it's doing right now to save them is they weren't happy with 2%, 1%, 0.5% yields on bonds. Nobody was happy with that. So what did they do? They went and leveraged up their portfolio. Oh, you know, we'll never see a 25% dip in bond prices. I mean, come on. These are government <laughs> bonds. Let's take on 75% debt at low prices, half a point, 25 basis points, whatever. Let's buy up more bonds, which pushed the, obviously pushed the yields down. And they were debt laden, but they were, they were juicing their returns for their holders, right? And we're seeing this unravel, not just in the UK, just like, you know, canary in the coal mine. This is a global phenomenon. If you wonder why bond yields went down so low last year, because debt was free. It was like, well, if I can get 2% on on bonds and money is free, I'll just take as much of it as I can. And we levered up the system. And now we're seeing an unraveling and we're going to see a collapse. So my prediction in the next 90 days, probably, I'd give it up to six months, a G50 country will go into a, a debt a debt spiral. Yeah, a big And, and that money is going to flow out through crypto. A large portion of it flows out through crypto. And then there's a domino effect, okay? Right. If you see this happening in the UK and you're in Italy or Greece and you see the signs of it happening there and the banks. So what? how do you prevent run of the banks? You limit withdrawals. You start telling people you can't take money out of the account. We have a liquidity issue. You scare the heck out of people. We've seen this happen in Cyprus. We've seen this happen many times. Right. This is ridic- you're being ridiculous. I, I grew up well, you're being Africa. ridiculous, Vinny. But yeah. to bring us all the way back to the ridiculous beginning. You're being and you're talking Sonny's book. I'll explain why in a minute, but go ahead, Molly. To bring us back all the way to the beginning, though, it sounds like what you're saying is this whole time. So earlier when we were talking about NFTs I was and innovation. I was thinking, okay, but... Is N- NFTs isn't going to be the place where all of this innovation and excitement no, happens. It's Bitcoin. And now it's it sounds Bitcoin like what you're describing is that all along, Bitcoin has been the Trojan horse. It's just sitting because I was thinking like, yeah, but are we ever going to get to the point where the currencies become the currency instead of the asset class? And it sounds like what you're trying to set up here is like, yep, any minute now, like any minute now, this will be the safe haven. What uh, I really so, want to so see just as a perverse exercise everyone. is I want to see that chart overlaid with gold. Over so, the same so, period. So, so gold's got other problems. Is Bitcoin the, the new gold? So the other problem with gold is this. You've got very large holders of gold, Italy, France, uh, a whole bunch of countries, that if, if their currency starts taking it, you know, tanking and they've got to pay US-denominated debt, they have to probably sell some gold. So you're mm-hmm. going to find gold finding its way into the open market. Maybe they start settling energy with gold, but gold is going to be taken out of the vaults and gold is down at the moment anyway. It's not exactly yeah. gold's running. Bitcoin is not for everyone. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to see a collapse where trillions of dollars flow into Bitcoin because the world's collapsing. It's very unlikely. It's not that tipping point. It's but not the gonna, like, now we find, start using Bitcoin as fiat. Point. You're going to find that. that people are going to diversify. And when you say, okay, I'm taking my cash out of the market. I'm, I'm selling this. I'm take, I have, I have $100,000. Let's go buy maybe 5% gold, maybe 5% Bitcoin. But the, the, the point is the flow, the funds flow is going to be out of bonds, out of equities into assets, commodities, things which, you know, energy, stocks, whatever, where you mm-hmm. think that your money is safer than in the, the current market. And as the government starts devaluing the currency, what do you do? And, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big Bitcoin bull, just by the way. I, I, I was like anti-Bitcoin for, for, I was pro-Bitcoin for years. Then I went anti-Bitcoin. I'm kind of, I'd say neutral Bitcoin. It is the inflow mechanism for crypto. I mean, it, it dominates the market cap for crypto. So yeah. when people want, when people who don't understand crypto want to buy stuff, everyone says, just buy Bitcoin, maybe buy some Ethereum. You know, uh, Solana is probably creeping up there as well now. But that's it. The, the point is, 
the other thing about Bitcoin, which is actually important, is self-custody. So you can yeah. actually hold those coins yourself on a ledger drive, on your computer, and not have to worry about counterparty risk. If you have funds in a bank and you have a liquidity crisis and the banks get locked, you can't move that money. What do you do? So even right. if some people start holding small amounts of it. I want to get Sunny in here, but I'm also thinking of when yeah. we had Molly White on the show and she was saying that if it all collapses, she would much rather buy beans than Bitcoin. Magic beans to go to the Listen, let me just pull up a chart for you here. Just Can of beans, Vinny's, baby. Vinny's hysterical. He's a crypto hysteric talking his book. All right, mm. here is a chart. It's not my biggest holding either. Bitcoin's well, not I my know, biggest I'm holding. I'm breaking yeah. your chops. Okay, all, Bitcoin. Okay, just in terms of stability, the yellow line, gold, the the blue line, is that blue? Is, uh, oh no, the, yep. the aqua line, is the pound to the dollar. And then you have Bitcoin, oh, insane yeah. vol, insane vol. And if you click on one year, you can see, you know, this is this shows the run up, obviously five year, delightful. But then here's what you see the other side. So. If you actually want more stability, buying Bitcoin is not where you're going to find it. You could buy some gold or you could buy the US dollar a pound. You're going to have much less vol. The volatility of Bitcoin has been like 70% in the last year. Volatility of like the pound minus 23% gold is like no volatility. So now, have, show me the, now show me the can of beans line. Do you have that? <laughs> magic <laughs> beans. Anyway, I, I'm that fine magic? with you I'm having 1%. Food, man. In the apocalypse, is, is, I want food and a bat with nails in it. What's going to happen with Bitcoin's, uh, uh, Sunny? What's, what's going to happen with Bitcoin long term? Because there's now this theory that we're like hitting some sort of stasis is going to hit like, you know, the, all the Bitcoin that are going to be made are going to be made and then maybe no innovation. And you're going to have Solana, you have Ethereum, you're going to have other places with a lot of innovation going on. And Bitcoin is going to mm -hmm. like wane in terms of the public's yeah. interest. Or is that like the feature? Well, you know, to be, to be honest, like, How I'm not really too, it? I'm not too deep into like the economics side of it. Like as we were going down there, that's why it's kind of quiet. But like the way I, I sort of think about it, it's, it's really, really different things. And when people start equating Bitcoin, Solana, Ethereum, you know, would pick, pick your you know crypto of choice. I think it's really, mis that's a real mistake. I, I think I, I just go back to our first conversation. Some of the technologies that we talk about, whether it's Solana, whether it's Ethereum or you know, any kind of L2s that are coming out, those are supporting innovation. I think Bitcoin is like, a, it is a cryptocurrency. It's been around for a long time, but it, it, there is, there's no building on top of it. There's no innovation that happens with it. There's no kind of growth associated with it other than the, you know, pure demand for the coin. And, but that's, you know, even scared people up what based on the chart that you showed today. So I, I sort of think that it, it looks more like a traditional commodity at this point than anything else. And it probably behaves more like that. And then the technologies, the other technologies are kind of more similar to fundamental internet technologies that, you know, like protocols that were, uh, you know, TCP IP, SMTP, those, these type of protocols that lots of innovation was built on top of. So I, I really separate it out and I don't look at them in, in the same lens at all. I don't know if it's a safe haven, Molly. I would, I would be careful thinking about Bitcoin as a safe haven. Beans, baby. It's, it's not supposed to be a safe haven. It, it, it's, a, it's a release valve. It's a flight it. from fiat. It's, it's a flight from fiat. Like if, you're, if you don't have, like Bitcoin, in my opinion, is not for large amounts of money, okay? It's really not. It's not for storing um, millions and millions and millions of personal dollars. Like you can do that. that, that in, in that use case, it's highly speculative. But if you're leaving a country and you need $10,000 to get out of the country or $20,000, $50,000, whatever, like some small amount of money, relatively speaking, 
and you want to be able to make sure the banks can't shut you down, you, you execute your funds, you need to have that money or, put or, aside somewhere. It's emergency. It's rainy day funds. Yeah. Um, or let, let, let's account. tie it to this, you know, this uh, war thing and, and the Russian um, mm. uh, con- consignment thing that's going on, or inscription thing that's going on, right? Where mm-hmm. imagine the you're-, you're the draft, exactly. Okay. So imagine you wanted so to leave. English. And, and, yes. and, and, and Russia's doing, you know, all these things saying, stopping people from going, but let's just say you can make it across the border. Well, they can close your account down. You may not have access to your funds. So in that case, like when he's saying right. Bitcoin's great, push your money into Bitcoin, cross the border, get it out of Bitcoin, turn it into whatever asset you want. Those are the type of people that it kind of really, I think, appeals to in these moments exactly, as well. Exactly. I, yeah. I, wrote the, I wrote an article like six years ago. And in it, what I said was Bitcoin will be successful when large amounts of people are holding small amounts of Bitcoin. Hmm. Because then you've got a very global payment network where it's not highly concentrated in one person's hands. And obviously when when you're trading five grand, 10 grand with a Bitcoin, it doesn't move the market. It's not, you know, on on an intraday basis, it's not super volatile. Bitcoin is actually very, you know, it's it's when you try and dump a billion dollars in the market, you're going to crash it. So then it's volatile. But if lots of people are holding small amounts and you're just using it to temporarily make a payment, buy a a sandwich, do whatever it is. Yes. And the fees are actually reasonably low right now uh, on Bitcoin right now. It obviously spikes and and goes through periods. if you're a Russian trying to get out of Russia, like what are your other options? You can't stuff your pockets with cash. You may get robbed, right? You put it into other currencies you don't have access to it but you can get it into bitcoin so i think from that perspective that's like a real utility you can see of it the, mo- the most important the most the important U-word. point <laughs> the most important point about bitcoin is it's fully decentralized it cannot be frozen and if you have usdc or anything else even ethereum right now if you look at coinbase and it's like it's, it's, it's actually a lot more centralized like bitcoin is the most decentralized cryptocurrency i think no one will, will disagree on that point and then and every time you move away from Bitcoin, you become more and more centralized, right? And so, I mean, some, I think that's the, the issue, right? You don't you want self custody. If I put Bitcoin on a on a drive or a brain wallet or whatever, no one can take it from me except with physical. What a brain wallet is, right? Right. A brain wallet is you just memorize twelve. I don't recommend this, everyone. You take a twelve word seed phrase and you memorize those twelve words, and you can walk around the world as long as you know those twelve words. You can move your money around wherever you go, and you can just pull it out somewhere else. Um, I love that the... If you I forget a word, you're screwed. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm just going to ask one stupid question. We ever going to find out who Satoshi is or who that group is? <laughs> what are the chances on a percentage basis that we ever figure that out? If you were to gamble, you put odds on it. It's 10 to 1, 5 to 1. Ever is a long time. I went down the rabbit hole on this and Satoshi was a group of people. Okay. And one of the people in the group, I think, uh, had the most compelling argument. And that argument would basically, without giving it away to you, uh, no no one will ever sign a transaction with the Genesis block proving to be Satoshi. That that would be the short answer. People can claim to be Satoshi, but no one's going to be able to prove it. Sonny, will, will we ever know? Will no. we ever know? We'll never know. No. Are no. those Bitcoins, the original Satoshi Bitcoins, which make up some... Why do you think they're Satoshi Bitcoins, by the way? Like, why do we make, why why does, Satoshi never said he mined them. He never said he owned them. I'm saying it's like, it's like the community believes that Satoshi owns those coins. We don't know. Okay. There is a large block of coins that are kind of dead coins that have never been transacted. Right, Sonny? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think something like, you know, Vinny, just, just rough and tough, right? 21 million total. 14 mm-hmm. million have been mined of the 14 million 7 million have been lost in that 7 million there's a chunk that uh, in that satoshi you know block no, tw- no no 19 million have been mined out of 21 okay 
19. How many are in the dead Satoshi block? 4 million, 4 million are, are presumably lost. Lost, okay. Yeah, lost or whatever, including Satoshi's coins, whatever. So, so there's only like a real float of 15 million coins, roughly. 14.5 million coins, roughly. Okay, that's Satoshi block. Chances that ever trades? Um, I would say non-zero, 5%, 10%, but the person who trades it may not be Satoshi. Okay, whoever's got those, what's the theory on why they would sit with them for 10 years? Because plus? everyone is watching those coins. You move one coin, the market's going to dump 50%, 70%. Oh, really? It's, it's not liquid enough. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't move that many. It, like, there are so many bots out there watching those wallets that are ready to short every single- What if somebody just sold bid? programmatically one Bitcoin per day? How? How you the moment you move one coin, one, it, it, everything be, uh, unravels because right. they'll unravels. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, I gotta leave go, it folks. there at least. Right. The, this is amazing. I love no, how done. our our story arc of these conversations is just moving <laughs> gradually toward like acceptance toward, of uh, NFTs. We are and DAS. A, well, yeah, Launch maybe them. a little bit of that. Somebody in the chat was like, "Oh my god, this show, this panel just turned into use cases. What's happening?" But <laughs> it feels like we're just gonna ride this story as it unplays, and it's delightful. You guys are the best. Vinny and Sonny, thanks so much. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Great job, everybody.